so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of ripoffs, coming up in today's Clark Rageous Moment, paying extra for what you think is healthier for you, and you're not getting what you're paying for at all? Really? And coming up yet later, I've got good news for you. As you drive this summer, amazing, unexpected news coming your way for the price at the pump. I'm going to talk right now about something that has been a problem for Amazon.com. Amazon does very well on the two coasts and does well in between with very affluent shoppers, but really has uh, the market has shown more and more is having trouble making real inroads away from the coasts and the most wealthy Americans. They are continuing to see market share move to, uh, to Walmart, to Target, to Costco, to TJ Maxx and the various TJ Maxx brands, TJX brands. And so it's important for Amazon to expand their base. So they have a new way they're going to try, which is actually a very good thing for certain people, and that is if you have no credit history or bad credit history, Amazon is launching a new Amazon Visa card that is a secured Visa card without all the gotchas of high application fees, high annual fees, high junk fees, that are so much a part of getting a secured card, getting a card to build your credit with. It is an Amazon uh, Visa card that they're doing called the Amazon Credit Builder. And so what you do is you apply for an Amazon card. When you get rejected for the traditional Amazon Visa card, you then can qualify for this special credit builder card. You put up a deposit. Let's say you put up a few hundred dollars, $500. That then controls your limit on the card. You pay it as agreed. You do what you're supposed to. And Amazon then transitions you to one of their regular credit cards and refunds the money that's been on hold on the security deposit. Again, the reason this is a win for them and a win for you It may attract you as a shopper at Amazon, as someone who has not really considered Amazon. And for you, what it does is it gives you access to a program to build a positive credit reputation that will transition you to a regular card without having fee on top of fee on top of fee. Because historically the credit card market for people with tarnished credit histories or no credit histories has been just full of people who take advantage. There's an opportunity to get credit without being ripped off, which I got to love. Evelyn's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Evelyn. How are you? Hey, Clark. I'm great. How are you? Wonderful. You have a question that so many of us have not really thought through and should. So I'm glad you're asking me. 
Yeah, so my, my kids are entering their uh, early 20s. I got just one about to finish college. And it seems like it's time to review my will. And it dawned on me that I've got all of these passwords, and they change every so often. Um, you know, what is the best way to leave them a trail of information so that uh, in the event I you know, pass on, that they can access and find everything um, with the least amount of frustration? Okay, and this has become something that's being tested in the courts all the time. Uh, one thing I will tell you, some of the uh, big providers on the Internet have thought this through as well. And do you use Gmail or any Google services? Yeah, a few. So Google has something that has worked very well called Inactive Account Manager. And if you, if you Google Inactive Account Manager, it will come right okay. up. And you'll see how for whatever presence you have with Google, you're able to set up where uh, the, the kids you designate will be notified and they will be given access to your accounts in the event you go inactive with them. So they're kind of like um, the heirs of your account through that process. Okay, and, so that's that's speaking to internet accounts. I was thinking financial accounts. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Um, no, that's okay. I, that's still good to know. So with financial accounts, you have two different ways to handle those. One is where with beneficiary designations, with whoever your financial accounts are with, you can have money pass outside a will. So most financial accounts you'll have will have a process for beneficiary designation. Uh, retirement accounts will have that, bank accounts, brokerage accounts will have beneficiary designations. Right, okay. So if you if you know who you'd want to inherit particular assets, you with each financial organization can do your beneficiary designations. If you'd rather have things handled through your will, then that's pretty easy when you do your new will. You can designate who you want to inherit each particular thing. But if you have also done a beneficiary designation, the beneficiary designation is superior to what you'd put in your will. Okay. And so should I then just leave a, a list of all my assets somewhere? Because I was thinking of right. passwords to access, because I, you know, you access everything online. So well, that's why I thought when when uh, when you mentioned passwords that we were talking about that aspect of it with online right. presence. So with um, with your various financial accounts, you can, although any financial group would tell you not to, you can make sure that you have a document that you have available to uh, whichever child you're planning to have handle things in the event of your passing, that they would know where to get the list of your usernames and passwords. Okay. And so, so no people, easy. many people do that with a Word document, something like that, okay. or they print I'm something out. Yeah, those passwords just change so often that, um, 
I was just wondering if there was an easy way to keep that up to date. Yeah, so every year at a set time, like when we change our clocks or at your birthday or something like that, that once a year you update those things. I update for my wife what our assets are and how to access them twice a year. Okay. I used to do it uh, four times a year, but that turned out to be unnecessarily complicated and too often. Got it. And so if you do it once or twice a year at a set designated time so you, you'll remember it and do it, then that's going to be current enough for most any account you'd have. Got it. Fantastic. Well, I hope right, that helps. And by the way, if anybody's interested in what I thought you were asking me about, and that is the how you handle all your internet accounts, we have a briefing on Clark.com of how the big internet services handle the turning over of your accounts to a designated heir if you do that. Apple has a procedure, Facebook, I mentioned the Google one, they all have things like that. Hank is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Hank. How are you? Hey, Clark. Good to hear from you again. Well, great to have you here. And you want to talk about a very confusing notice you've received from one of the big banks, right? Yeah. An email that uh, essentially, if you ever get around to reading it all, as hard as that is, it, it tells you that they're going to force you out of any the right to sue them over any dispute and force you into arbitration is this the chase letter that i've been hearing Bingo. from people about yes okay. indeed all right so chase actually has trailed most of the rest of the financial industry and in taking away any legal access that people have if your bank or other financial organizations cheated you and mm-hmm. so they're they're kind of a laggard on this, where they have continued to allow people to use their rights, their constitutional rights, to go after the financial institution if they do something rotten or illegal or criminal, like in the case of Wells Fargo, in so many different mm-hmm. ways. And yeah. so uh, this is one of those things that nobody's really going to do what you did. You really have sat down and read the Chase letter? I got into part of it and wasn't able to follow it, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, What it says is that unless you tell us otherwise, we're going to take away your rights under the Constitution to access to the U.S. court system or state court system. Yeah. And so you have to send them a letter like the old days, (laughs) like one that you put a stamp on, and and I must admit embarrassment again. I have no idea what a U.S. stamp costs these days. Uh, it costs one anything, one forever. That's what it is, one forever. Oh yeah, I have forever stamps, so I have no idea what they cost if you have to buy <laughs> one today. But you have to uh, address an envelope, put a note in it, put a stamp on it, and send it in to Chase to preserve your rights to have access to the courts. And mm-hmm. so okay. uh, the reality, and Chase knows this, Nobody's going to do that except maybe a few hundred or a few thousand people, even though they're such a huge financial organization. Yeah, yeah, and it, it seems to me a setup to uh, shut my mouth. Well, I mean, the whole idea is they're they're just taking advantage of the fact that the Supreme Court ruled five to four that 
financial institutions are free to impose these arbitrations on consumers. And the horrible thing is the mm-hmm. banks choose the arbitrators and they win uh, just a hair under 100% of the time in these arbitrations because the arbitrators only keep working if they find for the banks. So it, yeah. it's a terrible, terrible system. The thing that I would say most consumers aren't really focused on this because most people never end up in a situation where they want to sue their bank. So yeah. with all the busyness in their lives, they're not going to mail this in. But if you want to do it, Hank, we oh, have yeah. we have the form letter, sample the form letter on Clark.com for you to mail that in and let Chase know that you want to maintain your rights to the courts. Jessica joins us on the Clark Howard Show. And Jessica, you want to know how to get the best airfare every time. Yes, for sure. Where do you like to go? Is it overseas or in the United States? In the United States. Usually we go from the Midwest somewhere east. And And usually... So you want to know, is there a pattern like how far ahead to buy or when to buy or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. This time I got lucky in March and I found a good fare on the way back from my destination, but I've been watching and then just kind of increasing while I've been looking for a flight to my destination. Well, I'm sorry about that. And by the way, you did something very smart. Generally, you'll get a better deal if you buy your fares going, um, looking at one-way tickets instead of round trips. Okay. And normally okay. that is a better strategy, although right now you're second-guessing yourself. <laughs> yes. Do, you, and do I, you have a fare alert set up on Google Flights or Kayak? I didn't do that one. I did Kayak, yeah. Okay, that's kayak good. One. Do a Google Flights one as well. Okay. And if you can expand out your search to airports near where you're going to, in addition to the airport you're intending to go to, If there's airports close by, you may find a deal. And one thing you should know, if Southwest serves your market, they're not on any of the search engines other than at southwest.com. Yeah, we usually do use Southwest, and they were the one that we got the good return airfare from. All right, Um, so here's what I would do. If you fly, how many times a year do you fly? um, About four times, so not very many, and usually all in the summer months. All right, so if it's four times a year, if you were just to make sure you're protected and had a seat to where you're going as well as the one returning, mm-hmm. since Southwest um, doesn't charge any penalties for change or cancellation and you have a year to use the money, you could book a flight at what they've got available knowing that you have the ability to use that money within a year if a better deal comes available on somebody else for that flight you're trying to book. So you can just call and cancel it or change it? Right online, yeah. Oh, okay. But remember, they hold the money. You just have a year to use it without any penalty. Okay, yeah, for sure. I think um, as far as how here. far out, fares start creeping up when you get less than six weeks from your intended travel time. Okay. And tend to start climbing pretty rapidly less than two weeks before your travel time, because that's when they know that you're more likely to be a business traveler. But keep watching those alerts and see if you can score that deal. 
Today's Clark Rageous moment is unbelievable. You've heard me talk about the new fake burgers, the Impossible Burger, the Beyond, and several others that have caught on like wildfire to the point there's an extreme shortage of them available. And so did you hear this story that at some Burger Kings, people were ordering Impossible Burgers and being charged extra for Impossible Burgers, and then they were actually being given regular beef Whoppers? That's a Whopper of a stupid thing, Burger King. Wow. But it tells you how much interest there is from people in these meat substitutes that really do taste like meat. So great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clark Deals is where you learn ways to save money each and every day. And speaking of saving money, do I have some great news for you. It's another Clark Howard money-saving moment. There's an odd, extremely unusual pattern that's developed around the United States, except mainly in California and to a lesser extent in Washington State. And that is that gas prices this time of year normally steadily march up till about July 4th. This year, there's a completely different pattern. As the economy in the United States has slowed, so I guess this isn't for a good reason, and economies overseas have slowed, and then for a good reason because of the massive amount of uh, oil that's being uh, pulled out of the ground because of hydraulic fracking, there's a big oversupply of oil to be refined into gasoline than would be absolutely normal this time of year. And so push has come to shove, and the price of gasoline is dropping at a time of year that usually it would be staying the same or going up. Now, what's especially ironic about this is we had gas prices earlier this year through much of the spring that were much higher than they had been of late, and it was looking like things were going to be pretty ugly this year. But because of the unexpected economic slowdown, not recession, but slowdown in the economy, people are putting less gas in the tank than expected, and then you have the production, and it's true supply and demand. And stations starting, guess, yesterday started dropping in the low-cost areas of the country back into the ones per gallon for regular. You know, like 197, 195, that kind of thing. And it's a trend that we're going to see, especially in the heartland of the country, in the southeast and the southwest, that we're going to see prices march quite a bit lower. Now, let me tell you something about this. You're going to see unusual disparities in gas prices from stations a block apart, across the street, a mile apart, based on when they get their next tanker delivery. So there are places in the country where you'll see price differences of 20 or more cents a gallon just down the street from each other 
where normally the price differences from a station down the street from a competitor might be within a nickel of a gallon. Uh, so you're going to see that trend happen because somewhere close to two-thirds of the cost of the gasoline you put in your tank is based on the price of a barrel of oil, which has recently dropped at a time that the uh, industry experts expected it to go up. But they didn't see the sudden economic slowing that hopefully will reverse, and they didn't see the massive run-up in supplies that are available right now. So enjoy it, because usually during the summer driving season, we see higher and higher prices. This year, the opposite. And using the apps on your phone like Gas Price Watch, Gas Buddy, could be really helpful to you. Now Google, if you're on a trip that you're using Google Maps, post gas prices as well. If you hit that little magnifying glass, you'll see it'll give you a choice of gasoline stations on your route, and it'll show you what they know about the latest price per gallon on the route that you're on driving. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, John. Hi, good afternoon, Clark. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Well, great to have you here, and I am so glad to have your question because you were the first person who's asked me this question about Credit Karma, ever. Well, uh, I guess it's good to be first sometimes. I, I wish I wish they would patent your show and teach it in high school to all the kids before they graduate. Well, that's very nice of you, and I'm glad to say that more and more uh, school systems in high school and now uh, more and more colleges are including personal finance curriculum as part of what graduation requirements are. And this is so important for high school juniors and seniors who are thinking of going on to college to have information about what kind of time bomb they'd be creating for potentially several decades if they sign up for a bunch of student loans when they hit campus. Well, at a very minimum, they should probably sign an agreement that they visited your website and scoured your your uh, information before they're allowed to move on to another school because it's so important. I agree. Uh, if you want me to get, ask the question, sure, please have it. go right ahead. Okay, uh, I, I've been a fan for a lot of years, and I uh, my credit has been frozen and monitored by Credit Karma uh, for quite a while. And then I got an email from Credit Karma offering free auditing service in the event that I get an audit letter from the IRS. Now, I I know accountants charge money for this, and uh, I probably would not want to deal with this on my own, uh, even if it's a remote chance that it would ever happen. But I started looking into it, and then in order to get this free service, I would have to authorize Credit Karma uh, to get access to a copy of my tax return. Right, but this so, is uh, this is principally designed for people that are using Credit Karma's tax service. Did you so use Credit Karma to do your income tax? No, I, I didn't. I had a, an accountant do it. Okay, and, and in that case, this wouldn't be relevant to you. The idea of this, do you remember how H&R Block used to run those ads talking about if you're ever subject to an audit that they'll come as a representative and explain your tax and if they made a mistake that they'll cover some of the costs you incur, not the tax you should have paid, but they'll cover the penalties and all that. This is 
a similar kind of idea that Credit Karma is offering, but it's built around their free income tax filing service. Understood. All right. That I didn't grasp at the time because uh, it just sounded like an extra free thing to get my hands on. And I know how you love things that are free. But if you're using an accountant to prepare your taxes, that's who you want representing you because they're the ones that prepared it. They'll understand the background. They know your history. And that's who you want. Okay. Then I definitely should not sign an agreement giving Credit Karma access to my taxes. No, I don't see any reason why you would do that. I'd leave them out of it. You're using Credit Karma for what makes sense for you, which is to handle um, your ability to monitor what's going on with your credit and have access to your credit scores for free every seven days. And that would be where I would say your involvement with Credit Karma should probably stop. Tamaria is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Great. So, Can you hear me okay? Sorry? Can you hear me okay? I hear you perfectly. Okay. What's so going I have on? Questions. Yes. So my daughter is 12 and she's looking for kind of like a summer job. And back in my day, it was plenty of summer jobs. And it's kind of like today, they're kind of like all gone. So I have some ideas in the neighborhood we live in. It's a lot of uh, mom and pop stores. And I was thinking about having her go there with the pitch about a summer job and let them know like things that she can do. So I don't know what you like. Can you kind of help me out on if it's a good idea, places that we can go, uh, hourly, which is she asks for hourly. Well, I love like I love the intent. And in fact, I had my first job in a warehouse when I was 11 years old. And mm-hmm. that was before there were enforced child labor laws. Right. And you can't do that kind of stuff today. In fact, that's the biggest problem trying to uh, get a good work ethic and a child today is so many employers won't even consider hiring a kid till they're 15 or 16 most often. Right. And so here she is at 12, and mm-hmm. if she's got that kind of spirit, usually she's going to have to do something that's more informal for mm-hmm. her. Like, does she have some uh, skills with technology that might be something that she could sell services to to neighbors, like how to do proper uh, computer networking in their home or anything like that? Or, I mean, does she have any particular areas of interest or skills she's developed that she can run her own business? She's good with technology. Um, she's a great artist. She She's a self-taught artist, actually. And she's good with the violin, not the violin, but the guitar. So that's wow. about as much as she has. No, no, no. You just said all kinds of things that could be the start of some kind of business opportunity for. Mm-hmm. Um, tell you something that that might be of interest. She could see if she could go to, um, like, uh, if there's any senior facility nearby and play music there and have her own cards where... You know, when people are visiting their elderly relative, have cards that she 
offers to play m- music for money at events. That's she, a good idea. Because like it that. gives her a chance to practice her skill with the guitar and and do something she loves and put a real smile on people's faces who who love seeing young children because they don't get to see their own grandkids enough or whatever, and she can go by, and who knows what work would come out of that. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, I'm sure she could go and, you said she's a self-taught artist. She could go and paint for people at at community centers or senior centers. or uh, I'm trying to think of things based on the skill set you gave me. So if you get the idea, think wider outside the box. Mm-hmm. and uh, help her become her own advocate and pitch her own ideas. And and you just never know what what money will flow out of it doing what she loves and improving her skills at what she loves. Right. I like those ideas. Those are some good ones. Because she's got to wait a while before traditional employers are going to say, yeah, we'll put you to work. We start people at, you know, $8 an hour or whatever. She's got a little bit of time. She's got to get under her belt first. But the Yeah, interest- I, I told her when I had my first job, I was 14. And I think here where we are now, I think you have to be 16. So that's the idea to use these interests and the art she has as a way to, to grab hold of those and something will emerge from that. I promise something good will come out of that. Not just the smiles and happiness she'll bring to people. Danielle's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you? Or is it Daniel? Daniel. Daniel, sorry. It's okay. How's it going, Daniel? Very well. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How can I, I serve you? Yeah, I had a question about I'm moving here in about a month or so. And there's a couple of big ticket items that I needed to get. Nothing crazy, just like a bed, a couch, and like a dresser or whatnot. And I was going to see, is it, should I look for a furniture store that has like one of those 0% interest deals going on for X amount of months? Or should I go to my bank for a personal loan that will have a smaller interest rate? Well, only go to one of the stores with what are called the no, no, no plans if you want to pay too much for your furniture. Okay. Because when they do the... No down payment, no interest, no payment for six months, a year, 18 months, whatever. They're baking the cost of that into the cost of the furniture. They sell off those no, no, no plans for so many cents on the dollar, and they got to make that money back, and they do it through what you're paying. So they adjust it that way. Yeah, but I wanted to say something to you. You know, furniture used is worth like nothing. And for a lot of times, people are going to be freaked out getting a used sofa or something like that. But but the wood furniture you need is available so cheap used. And there are so many thrift stores that sell used furniture that's in really great shape. You know, somebody, sometimes it won't be, but often it really is in great shape. And used furniture goes for pennies on the dollar. Okay. And when I, um, uh, my wife, when we got married, got rid of every piece of furniture I had. But when I was setting up a home, I got everything I had was 
used furniture or damaged furniture, you know, from a scratch and dent, that kind of thing. I didn't buy a single piece of new furniture. And, okay, and if, you, then. if you look on Craigslist, there are so many people who are either giving away furniture just so you'll come and get it, or they're selling it really cheap because it doesn't matter what they paid for it, it's only worth what it's worth now. And then there's a website called FreeCycle. Do you know FreeCycle? I do not. So it's a site where people who are trying to get rid of furniture post it available for free. And the whole idea is for it not to end up in landfills. Okay, that's awesome. And we had a, I tell you a funny thing, we had a piece of furniture recently that I had posted on Craigslist and uh, five different times people said they wanted it, never showed up. And so finally, my wife and I just said, you know, why don't we put it out on the street with a note that says, I need a home. And we did that. And it was the funniest thing. In under 20 minutes, somebody driving by had grabbed it and it was gone. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So there are ways to get rid of furniture. And it's weird because you pay so much if you buy new furniture. And, yeah, and I wasn't trying to blow the bank with uh, yeah, a bunch of new furniture either. And, and, yeah, I mean, why would you when when it has... Okay, so the funny thing with used furniture, if it's in the point where it's used, it's worth nothing. But if you hold it for a few hundred years, if you figured out the fountain of youth and you live to be like 400 years old, suddenly that used piece of furniture is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars or more as an antique. <laughs> yeah. But you haven't figured out how to live several hundred years, have you? I have not. Yeah, me neither. So I would just go with the the cheap used route. And uh, then on the sofa, you know, uh, when I last said, you know, nobody really wants a used sofa because, well, somebody else has been there. We had somebody who posted a Clark Stinks. What about just reupholstering? It would be cheaper than buying a new one. Maybe yes, maybe no. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.